Hello and welcome to this Drum Network podcast. I'm Nikki McMorrow, the head of the Drum Network. Today we're going to be talking about whether marketers' approach to women is shifting. And I am joined by three fantastic women leaders from marketing agencies, Drum Network members. Debbie, would you like to introduce yourself first, please? Yes, of course. Hi, Nikki. Glad to be here. My name is Debbie. I am the social media and community manager of Brew Digital. Who are we? We're basically a digital marketing agency based off at Norwich. We provide strategy, innovation, design, web development, digital marketing, anything you can think of. Um, But what's also interesting about us is that we are actually part of a bigger group, the Adaptivist Group, a well-known player in the tech space, uh, especially as a big partner of Atlassian. Fantastic. Thank you, Debbie. Welcome to this podcast. Emily. Hello, lovely to be here too. So I'm Emily Winterbourne. I'm Managing Director of Impero. We're an independent creative agency, work with lots of um, clients in the UK and around the world, but probably one of the most interesting ones when it comes to new ways of marketing to women has been the work we've done for Georgia Asda. Um, And yeah, previously to this, I used to work at FCB Inferno and we had a long history of interesting campaigns aimed at women such as This Girl Can, which is one of the big ones. That was an amazing campaign. I hope we get to find out a bit more about that later. And Charlie. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Charlie. I'm a strategy director from TRO. It's an experiential agency. We are part of the Omnicom group. Our vision is keeping it real. So basically, we focus on bringing brands um, into real life, including online-only brands. Um, we've worked on a lot of automotive brands, which is pretty interesting to this topic, uh, marketing to women. Um, in the past, I have worked in um, creative agency and media agency. Um, so I hope I can bring in more interesting perspective from, um, you know, different agency backgrounds. I'm originally from Hong Kong, but I'm based in London now. Lovely to meet you, Charlie. I have a similar background to you. I've worked in automotive as well, and I'm really keen to hear some of those perspectives. That sounds um, very interesting. It's a fast changing area for marketing to women. So the topic today is, is marketers approach to women shifting? And it seems like still now, women in the industry are all too often given cause to notice campaigns or messaging that they find misguided or even damaging. So um, where should we start? It feels like we've come a long way. But where are we currently on this journey to total gender parity? Debbie? I'm going to come into this with a different lens, or two lenses, actually. Um, One is because I sit in a digital marketing agency, I will speak on how it is right now at Brew Digital, but at the same time as well as being part of a very big tech company where almost a thousand employees across the world. That's also a different discussion right there. So at Brew Digital, I'm very proud to say that actually our head of design is a woman. And that's very exciting for us because as a woman myself, um, it's nice to see women at leadership and deciding roles. And that's a very you know, telling point of where our marketing agency is heading. But at the same time as well, if I look at how many web developers that we have at Brew, um, we actually have about like 11 at this point. Only We only have one um, 
woman um, sitting as a web developer there. And I think you can say the same as well for Adaptivist Group as a tech company. Um, At the moment, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're close to 100, but only 40% of us are women. And out of that is around 4% hold STEM roles. So we're talking about engineering, developers, um, and such. And I think like, you know, we have come a long way, but I think there is a question of have we really? Because even if we can say that there is an increase of women holding positions within tech, we can, we, if you look at the roles there, most of them are still marketing roles or administrative roles or operational roles. Um, I think there is a lot of opportunity here to do more work on engineering roles, um, analytics, for instance. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, we can we can talk about a little bit more later. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's a there are some areas of marketing that are full of women with not very many men and then some, you know, the other way around. I suppose what we would like to get to is complete equality in all of the areas. Emily, you're an MD and a a marketing leader of Impero. Uh, What's your point of view? Yeah, just to kind of build on that, I I actually came to Impero. um, One of the reasons I came here in the beginning is because they kind of talked about the fact that we had 70% female staff, 100% pay parity. It was a really, you know, a lot of the senior leaders were women. um, And that's still the case today. I mean, some fluctuation, but it's still very much kind of how we are today. But I think the challenge is actually that I see. um, So, yeah, the challenge I see in our industry is actually more about getting those voices heard because, you know, we might all joke about mansplaining, you know, when when you do get mansplained. But the truth is, even though you do see more and more women in powerful positions in agencies, so often when you sit in meetings, the dominant voice you hear is male and it's so frustrating but it happens time and time again in agencies in clients in everywhere in life and that's really what we've got to get around it's fine putting people in position we need to make sure that those voices are heard and something that we've done recently um we've been working on kind of our behaviors thinking about how we behave how we get to better work and what we do as an agency we've put some big kind of writing on the wall that kind of says this like a manifesto but one of the key bits of that is about listening to quieter voices because it's so easy for them to get ignored. Absolutely. And um, in there, I think, is something we can delve into about the process um, of how information gets shared as well. And there's um, mm-hmm. some, I suppose, some people say this is the the age of the nerd, um, but actually maybe it's also the age of the quieter voice. Um, mm-hmm. I think Charlie might have something to say about this topic as well, having spent quite a bit of time in the automotive industry. So Charlie, what's your point of view? So I started working on um, automotive like about a year and a half ago. And when I first got into a meeting, I was quite scared. Like I just, I just, I just had to calm myself down. Like it's okay, you don't know anything. But then, like every time I try to ask a question in the meeting, I I felt quite intimidated because, like, well, first I don't have a driving license, and then second, like traditionally in a mot- automotive sector, um, it's dominated by men, and then also all the technical terminology and languages are quite difficult to digest. Which is something interesting is that you know if the product is designed by men how are we going to approach to women consumer when it comes to marketing communication is that still anything that we need to change from a product perspective way before um marketing communication Mm. 
And I think the automotive industry is a really interesting example because with those products being fairly expensive, um, the link between the wealth transfer from men to women is really prevalent. Women are now a greater proportion of the target audience for those companies. Um, and yet maybe it's not the same kind of proportion of women within the design team, the styling team. Did you find there were a lot of women in the marketing teams? A fair amount of them, but then like um, people from the product teams, in my experience, they're 100% men. And how about inside your agency, Charlie, um, TRO? I think it's a quite a balanced number. But yeah. then like, you can see that like the gender still fit into like the traditional assigned role. Like, you know, women are dealing with, you know, clients more and then like the men are more into like, um, you know, managing the organization. Yeah. I did see a stat that said only 5% of um, leaders in the marketing industry are women still today. And that's not agency, that's marketing wide. But I think that's fascinating that we're still there at 5%. It does seem much further behind than far further behind than I than I would have expected it to be, and um, I think that was you know across that's across all, all everything, not just agencies. But it really, I was shocked when I read that at, at a senior level because we see a lot of women in marketing. But I think it's probably goes to that point that Debbie said earlier on. Maybe it's about where they are in that in that team structure is still not equal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we something that we I feel like um, we were very intentional when we celebrated um, International Women's Day this year is that we are we we know that there's a lot of things that we need to work on and it's not perfect yet. And yes, the number is still there at five percent, but there's no reason keeping us from also still celebrating it. Because, for instance, at Brew Digital, we just hired a head of design and she's a woman. And Sophie, who's basically one of our key people um, at Brew, um, who leads up strategy and innovation for us, she's a woman as well. And I constantly see as well um, within the adaptivist group, more people getting hired in women senior roles and a lot of women getting promoted as well. So at least like in our little space, in our little corner, some little steps is happening there. And I think that's worth celebrating. And I think a lot of women need to see that. So for this change to enact. I agree with that. But I think, you know, being aware of that kind of unconscious bias that we still all have yeah. is so important for us to get to a better place. I don't know if anyone saw that um, campaign. It wasn't a huge one. I think it was done by another agency, CPB, last year, which was uh, asking questions like think of a CEO and then it said um, you know I bet you thought of a man or or think of someone crying in the office think of someone in a meeting and like making you question where you went to and I thought that was so powerful because even though we're all here and we're all thinking about it, it that that bias still exists and we just can't we can't kind of ignore that that hasn't gone away. Absolutely I think um, one of the things that's really helped um, us to get where we are, albeit maybe it's behind where we should be, is case studies of the success um, of when women lead campaigns, especially if they are women-focused products, and when women leading businesses get good results. I watched, I saw read an article, sorry, about, you know, um, in Silicon Valley, there was this blood drop person, I completely forgot what her name is, but 
actually that has pushed backwards. The fact that it's been because it was a woman and it was so high profile and it's been jumped upon by the press because it was a female entrepreneur, it has had so much press and apparently has really set back um, investment in female run businesses because of that. And I, and I don't have the stats to hand. I'm really sorry. I can kind of follow up with them. But isn't that awful? Because the press have jumped on it because it was female. And now it's actually impact how females will be invested in going forward. Elizabeth Holmes. There we go, Debbie. Elizabeth Holmes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that is really interesting. And in fact, let's actually talk about This Girl Can for a moment, because I think that has actually really helped towards the the work of gender parity. This Girl Can is really interesting, isn't it? Because it was massively, massively successful. It was, you know, well loved by the industry. It was absolutely phenomenally effective in getting more women into sport. And the reason... I mean, there are many reasons it was so effective because it was a great campaign and I, I can't take personal claim for it, but I was at the agency when we created it and it was super exciting times. But the reason it was so successful is because it was based on that true insight, right? There was a true insight around this fear of being judged that women felt. And all of the marketing campaigns in that industry were showing kind of picture perfect images of women. So it really went against everything that we expected to see. So incredibly effective, did a lot for um, moving on how we did market to women. But but I would actually wonder if now, however many years on we are, I think, you know, eight years on from that or six years, six years on from when that was first produced. It's almost created this kind of go girl playbook that you see people, um, other brands going out with, which is all about motivating women and empowering women. But that's great and it comes from a good place, but it can go to this kind of go-girl playbook of empowerment, which actually it it doesn't work if it's not based on a really true insight. So yes, I agree, it did massive amount to move things forwards, but should every campaign be like this girl can? No, absolutely not. On the question of that insight, were you close enough to it to know who came up with that insight? What was the process? Yeah, so Vicky Holgate was the strategist, um, chief strategy officer for Inferno, FCB Inferno, who kind of uncovered that um, along with the rest of the team working on it. So that was very much um, woman leading there. It was actually uncovered from a huge amount of research that they had. Um, so Sport England just had reams and reams of research around why women weren't getting into exercise, why women were falling out of exercise at about the age of, you know, teenage years, a lot of people fall in, or just generally why they weren't exercising. Because that stubborn gap between men and women exercising just wouldn't go away. But going through all of it, there were all these different reasons, but they kind of summed them up really beautifully under a, a fear of being judged, which is just was just such a powerful way to bring it all together. So yeah, that did get uncovered by a woman from the agency. But everybody, as soon as they landed on it, just realized it was just so, so exactly right. There must have been quite a buzz within the agency at the time as well. So I just want to bring this over to Debbie for a moment, because Debbie, you've um, hosted an International Women's Day panel, right? Yes, I did. And um, I'm curious, because at The Drum, we um, speak to agencies all the time. And this year, we had quite an interesting mix of responses from some agencies wanting to support and get involved in that conversation and some kind of consciously stepping away 
And it made me curious about whether, have we actually, is this a good thing? Have we reached a point in women's equality where all of a sudden this um, initiative that was supposed to seem so kind of inclusive now somehow seems a bit separatist? As the person who's closest to um, International Women's Day here, I mean, what's your personal point of view on that? You know what? I feel like um, there's a lot of questions there. I think that this essentially, in my point of view, boils down to what is your agency or company's stance in these causes? Is it true to the value of your brand and your organization? And if the answer is yes, yes, you can get behind these causes. It doesn't only apply to International Women's Day. I feel like this applies to Pride Month, Black History Month, and every kind of awareness that you would want to celebrate. I see, for instance, that um, a lot of brands, including us, intentionally did not change their logos in just recently from Pride Month because this is not something that it actually is very centered on our organization. And it's something that we're still working on. And I think like you are fine to not celebrate International Women's Day if it is not true to you. And I think a lot of customers and audiences now do call out brands because they're not authentic. Like you should not be speaking about this. And it's the same way as like brands trying to market to women, you know, people get called out, organizations get called out because of it. Um, we did, we decided to celebrate International Women's Day because as Emily mentioned, it is a chance for us to avoid, to get the little voices heard. A lot of times it's the big voices that get heard. So this is a time for us to just give a platform for everybody in the company. But we also believe that International Women's Day and, and International Women's Month is not a month-long thing. Women cause and gender parity is not a month-long celebration. It's something that needs to be done and needs to be worked on. Like, And you need to fight for it almost on a daily, monthly, yearly basis. So that's why we have Women in Tech, which is close to something that we run at the Adaptivist Group. This was a six-month-long campaign that touched on several areas of the business, whether it is something that we did in within our company, wherein we highlighted different roles, so that the point of that is for people to showcase the unusual roles and for for our employees to get inspired that oh I I can actually be that person or I can actually fill that role because a woman who is like me looks like me talks like me is in that role. I also want to add on what Debbie just said about like you know just celebrating women for a month is not enough because like people talk to each other all the time like we go online and then like okay we see an ad but then when we interact with the brand in real life we know that whether they are being authentic or not like for example um i think quite a lot of automotive brands they have tried to reach to um women consumer and then there are like inspirational talk and uh, add featuring like powerful strong women but then like the reality is that that is just part of the mark one part of marketing communications if a woman is going to purchase a car the dealer might probably be you know starting a conversation with her husband instead of her so like only doing um, lip service um, on an advertising perspective is not enough because like nowadays, like people talk to each other and then if things like this happen, someone put it on Instagram, put it on TikTok and everybody would be able to call out your bullshit. So I think it's, it's pretty um, 
interesting to see some of the automotive brand they have started like you know product innovation they have started a brand new research process to address to that so for example like Volvo um they they have done a campaign years ago about like you know women tend to be more vulnerable when an incident happen because the product was designed using um a male dummy so they started um using a female dummy to test the product and i think like as a female consumer that would be something that appealed to me more well safety is a concern for every car buyer which leads to a very interesting point is that like when we are marketing to women do we actually need a separate approach do we need to talk differently to women or should we just see them as you know human as people um and i think the key is um to be empathetic about like you know basic needs of you know every consumer yeah i think it's really interesting to see this kind of gender fluidity coming into some products and subsequent campaigns now as well um it's quite a sign of the times does anyone have any examples of campaigns or products that sort of really have done well with that or badly <laughs> um, i wanted to jump in actually and say something just about the last point that um, oh, yeah, okay. charlie charlie made just I, I just wanted to really kind of agree on that whole idea around brand experience is just so incredibly important it's something we talk about so often like advertising alone won't fix your problem usually there's no point doing something great up here in advertising if then you know you have a totally different experience when you go through the rest of the customer journey so I couldn't agree more with what you said but I, I kind of think on the flip side of that we shouldn't forget that representation also works and and is really important I was thinking of that example that Nike example of the woman wearing a hijab and the advert they produced around that I mean pathetic that a female Muslim customer had to email them, you know, had to contact them, which is what kind of they, they jumped on the back of that. So that's terrible that that's where, that's where it had to start, that they didn't do it anyway. But nonetheless, um, you know, it was massively powerful. And I, and I think the number of hijab-wearing women in the Olympics doubled from 2016 to 2020, you know. And, and I think let's not forget representation does work um it's really important but i just agree with you so intrinsically it has to go through everything we do not just be a pretty picture up there in marketing absolutely authenticity all the way absolutely authenticity and authenticity not even just in um in that kind of inclusion of what we're included including in our kind of campaign itself but we always think about that inclusion through the whole production process to you know having a female or a, the, the person from whatever community you're representing in the um in the ad of course but also as a director as a creative team in the production company the runners on set you know in all parts of that trying to bring that community um that you're representing into the into the process Oh, for sure. And actually, um, Charlie, you worked on automotive, but um, you've also worked with some sanitary brands. Um, are those brands having representation within their teams? From my experience, um, that was back in Asia. So like most of our marketing team clients, they are female. But I think the most interesting part um, on working on sanitary product is that um, local adaptation. So like in Hong Kong, like we get um, a global idea and then like we need to fit it into a local lens. 
But then like when it dialed down into a local lens, like the idea tends to get generic and it doesn't really give the justice to the global idea. And to be honest, I think like um, in Hong Kong, we haven't done enough work in terms of representation and also like empowering women because it's, in my opinion, it's still a very pragmatic and tactical driven market. I feel like I am with um, Charlie. I'm from the Philippines. Hello, everyone. I forgot to mention that. Um, preparing for a talk about like women, sometimes I feel... Um, can sometimes like it feels very progressive in the Western world, but I look back at Asia and it feels like it's still like 50 years ago. I still go home and be greeted with billboards that essentially says white is healthy. You know, what a progress from white is beautiful. Now it's white is healthy. So I think there is still a lot of things to be done um, in Asia. And I think there's a lot of things to be done in if you if you dial it down in different regions and different countries. Um, so, but for the sake of this conversation, I think, you know, I think in the UK, it's a little bit better. I was going to ask you, Charlie, just on, on your experience in, in the sanitary products. And, and I was, I rewatched before, before joining this um, call today, the body form, blood normal and womb stories and reminded myself how incredibly powerful that work was and really was sort of unheard of to you know it was the first time I've really seen um something that's so normal and happens every month to every woman be talked about so so much and I was fascinated as I was watching that wondering who made it and how it was made so I, I find that really fascinating the talk of it that, that you would hope that that was you know usually we talk it's women who are coming up with that work because I don't think you could come up with work that powerful if you weren't a woman and hadn't experienced it, experienced it well of course for women we know that our period blood is red but then like when it comes to um, a media perspective like apparently this is sanitary pet product and then like from a media perspective we only target women but then like the most important part of that is that you know men also should understand that you know like you know the the blue blood you've seen on a tv ad that's not real and maybe they should also understand like you know what is a menopause for example but then like we make such wonderful ads and then when it comes to like media perspective i think like from a pragmatic perspective we only target women like should this be something that you know we should also consider Menopause is such an interesting one, though, isn't it? It's almost like the the big taboo that's still left. Like, I don't know, as a 43-year-old woman, I feel like it's ever becoming something I, I think about. And it's amazing how little people talk about it. And thinking of our industry, I would, even today, not want to talk about it probably with the people I work with. Maybe that's about me more than the industry, but it, it is not something people are comfortable about talking about still. I feel like th there is some progress here, though, because if we start thinking about, um, from my side, you know, paid media, nowadays you would get ads not necessarily because of your gender or your age, but mostly because of your behavior of how you search and how you interact with um, keywords and so on. So what you would, for instance, a product that is not necessarily, you know, unconscious bias meant for women, like for instance, DIY tools, you would receive it because you were searching for like how to fix your house. 
Um, and at the same time, my husband, when he when we were when I was in labor, he was getting ads about like you know postpartum products, um, C-section underwear, and and that is basically how it is. And I think like that's you know I think the progress in marketing as well has enabled these products to be given. Not just we talk a lot about targeting women, but also what about those who identify as women? What about those men who are in our lives who care and support women? So I think that's also another thing that you know marketers um, can start thinking about in their when they start thinking about like you know marketing their their strategy for the year. Well, this is a really good point. Uh, what can marketers do practically that would help to bring more gender representation and successful women within the industry? I think it's so interesting thinking how media is targeting people versus um, how advertisers are thinking of women, because there is still this kind of slightly, I would call it a caricature of womanhood that we see where women are communicated really by age. You, you know, you so often see advertisers thinking about women as life stage. Are they a mother? Are they a menopausal woman? Are they a, um, you know, Gen Z or whatever? Whereas men, we see it really so much focused around interest group. And, and why is that? That men, we talk about them to their interests and women, it's age. For me, I'm 43. I am a mother, but I'm also interested in fashion. I'm interested in travel. I'm interested in all these kind of things that don't necessarily relate to me being the age I am. So I think... Um, yeah, thinking for advertisers and getting to the question around advice, I think being less generic and more specific is what we really need to think about. When we think about um, just huge groups of people, the, the work becomes, um, it might be inclusive still, but it can become wallpaper. You think of a lot of the work Dove's done most recently. It's sort of just like, yeah, it's inclusive, but it's boring and no one pays attention versus when you hone in on a specific story you can get much richer content, content that's going to get picked up by groups and kind of then kind of spread for you. And I mean, just a good example of that is the Speedo Swim United. I don't know if anyone anyone saw that. It was a Speedo campaign that looked at three families um, who had very, who were kind of weren't the people that were normally represented in swimming. And they told really deep, really fascinating stories about their experience around swimming. And it was powerful because of that. So, yeah, be less generic, more specific. Oh, I need to check that campaign out. <laughs> um, Debbie, how about um, you? What, what advice would you give for marketers who want to try to help make a difference? Mm, um, well, I think, like, what is very obvious about this is that we are at, at an, a time and age where marketing is just really going to be about authenticity. Is it authentic to your product? Is it authentic to your brand? Is it authentic to the people who work in your company? Um, for instance, um, what I what is interesting when I was preparing for this, it was I was interviewing people within my company. I was talking to somebody who is her name is Eleni. Shout out to Eleni. Um, she was she's leading one of our business units collectively, and I was telling her like, I'm doing this podcast. It's about marketing to women. What do you think about it? She said, oh my God, I hate being marketed to, especially because I'm a woman. If you, if somebody comes up to me and tries to connect with me because I'm, I have a husband and all these things, I would hate it. And, and that is essentially like one of the things that you need to think about is that do not come with an agenda. Come with authenticity. Come, do not ride the bandwagon. You know, there is as... 
as Emily said, there is a playbook right now in Exceed. So often about women empowerment and girl can, but is that true to your organization? I think like that's something that we need to start talking about. Uh, but at the same time, I think like, you know, just giving it as, a, as an example, the women in tech campaign that we did, we actually had a lead, you know, out of the blue from a um, hormone tracking app who was looking for services who came up to us because we were, you know, marketing, not marketing, but trying to change, trying to get more women into our company. And they love that. And so I think like when you do something because it is true to your organization, things will fall into place and you will be able to connect with your audience and they will be able to connect with you as well. Amazing. Thank you, Debbie. Charlie, what advice would you give? I think our industry needs more collaboration. And in terms of collaborations, I mean, um, between agency. So for example, like we've talked about, like there's a gap between creative and media agency, creative create ads that only tailor to women. Whereas in media, maybe like we can do more, there are more behavior targeting, for example. But from my experience, um, media is always an afterthought. So like we've already created this campaign and then now we pass it on media agency. They're just going to do their work. However, um, media agency has a lot of audience data, um, you know, how they interact with the ad and then like um, how our audiences are, be are behaving. So for example, like if, like in an ideal world, if a creative agency and a media agency can take the brief together, and then like we can create much more um, compelling campaigns. And apart from um, agency collaboration, I think like within client team, there should be more, even more collaboration. So for example, similarly, I think marketing is also an afterthought after a product is made, but then like marketing clients, they're actually the one who are interacting with um, our product buyers, for example, so they know their need. So if they are involved in product innovation, product development, then we can really tackle this issue. Like, you know, is marketers approach to women shifting? Because like that wouldn't even be um, a question eventually, because like how we are creating the product, like we're creating product based on who is going to buy our product, regardless of um, your gender, for example. So I think we do need more collaboration um, within industry. Um, and I know it's a competitive market. People feel very uncomfortable, um, you know, sharing the data and then their point of view. Um, but yeah, collaboration is key. Fantastic. Also, what about behind the scenes? So what about the quotas or sort of stipulations about who should be working on the accounts? Um, do you think agencies need to be putting these in place or is that just too prescriptive? We, we don't necessarily have a code of conduct that, that relates to that, but it's all about getting to the right work, right? And, and, I, and I don't believe you're going to get to the best work unless you have people that understand the problem. And that's not to say no man should ever work on a, a campaign for a brand you know, aimed at women. This girl can, we talked about it earlier. The creatives that led on that first campaign were male, but there were tons of women around them, right? So I don't think it should be an absolutely kind of clear cut rule, but you need to have enough people there that, that do understand um, the challenge. And in it, in it, 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 you definitely can see through a campaign for 
women that's uh, that's put together by men I mean I I keep thinking of that one for last International Women's Day of um, men wearing high heels in the boardroom for a day and and you know just the 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 absolute agony it all caused just when we saw it it's just like oh you just don't get it you just haven't worn a pair of high heels for 10 years in a boardroom get away so yeah I think you know it, it you you have to think about it you have to always be conscious of it but all agencies think about who's working on every brief in so much detail that I, I, I don't think it, you need a clear-cut rule, personally, but maybe other people disagree on that. Thanks, Emily. Um, well, we've covered a lot today, and I think we could carry on talking about this for a very long time, but we only have a few moments left. So um, perhaps let's uh, have your sort of parting thought. I'll, I'll go around each one of you. Um, and maybe just have a think, what's your biggest takeout from this conversation um, about whether marketers' approach to women is shifting today? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, is the approach shifting? Yes, clearly it is shifting. And that's a great thing that it's shifting. And I hope it continues to shift. But there is still a lot to do is really what is my takeout. You know, the fact that I can probably think of the creative directors who are female um, name them on one hand I could name a lot of them in our industry is a sign that there's still a lot a lot of a move forward so people are making efforts to change we can see that but there is still a lot to do I think it is definitely shifting and is a good thing that is happening I agree with Emily representation um, is really important um, it kind of like <clears throat> this conversation kind of leaves me with um question like I'm really curious to see what is going to happen next because we were talking about like women empowerment and stuff and then now we're like tackling different taboo and stuff so what if in the future like what if in the future like we could talk less about our differences between men and women but we focus on something more that we can share in common so we get to understand each other more be more empathetic towards each other. That's an ideal situation. But I'm very curious to know what is going to happen next. I think the fact that we are having this conversation and there are women in this call who are thinking about it is a testament that there is a change happening. Whether we want it at this rate, we want it a bit faster, why not? Um, we'll be very happy to have that. But, you know, this is a start. And I think before, you know, we all thought that, think about like having women in the boardroom, somebody needs to open that door for having women in the boardroom. And the fact that we are, we are having these people who are thinking about this and driving a cost to it is a good thing. It's not just about having your piece of cake, it's about sharing it as well. I love that. Thank you, Debbie. That's a really nice parting thought there. Um, so we've talked about a lot. We think that the approach to women is shifting. There's a long way to go. Authenticity, empathy, inclusivity and collaboration is the key. And in the end, it's all for the good of the work. It's all for the good of the business. Um, women are shown to get good results um, when you put them in these positions. So, yes, a resounding yes, it is shifting. Just maybe not quite fast enough. <laughs> this has been a podcast for the Drum Network with three amazing women leaders and myself, Nikki McMorrow, the head of the Drum Network. Thanks for listening. Bye.